Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, where we chat to people making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. And here is your host for today, Josh Griffin. Thank you, Annette. So before we get started, I'd just like to acknowledge that I'm recording this podcast today on Bunurong Country and uh, pay respect to their elders' current past and future uh, and just acknowledge that their culture is extremely important. You know, we can all learn a lot about where we are, which, which kind of a country we're on ourselves and a lot of resources online. So I encourage you to look up your local suburb and see what country you're on. So uh, Annette, good to be chatting to you today. Another podcast. Another podcast. Yep. And, uh, another week. That's right. If people enjoy it, then, you know, we ask that they rate it and review it. Could you let people know how they do that? Sure can. I'm actually coming to you from Wurundjeri country. So even though Josh and I are both in Melbourne, we uh, are both one one end of the uh, Melbourne to the other. Rating and reviewing. This is my thing. I love it. If you can rate and review our podcast, it helps more people find us. And we've just been voted the seventh most popular inspirational stories podcast in Australia. So people are finding us, which is pretty cool. Now I've written a little how-to on our website. So if you go to awardsaustralia.com forward slash podcast, you'll actually see the how-to rate and review. So um, get onto it, folks, please. And uh, at the time of this podcast going to air, then the Young Achiever Awards will probably have launched uh, around the country as well. So quick reminder to everyone to uh, jump on to Facebook, check out the Seven News Young Achiever Awards uh, in your state or territory and, and get nominating some young people. And uh, speaking of, we're actually going to be chatting with a, a WA Seven News Young Achiever Awards finalist from the last two years in Tara Lord. Now, Tara is 22 years old and she works as a youth programs coordinator for a youth counselling and suicide prevention organisation. Tara also works in a psychiatric hostel, hostel I should say, and as a community rehabilitation worker and a youth ambassador with Mental Health Foundation of Australia. One of Tara's biggest passions is animal-assisted therapy. Through her business, Cooper Cooper Australia, and Tara, you can correct me if I got that pronunciation wrong, and uh, she does that with her partner in crime, Loki, who we might get to meet during this chat. So uh, welcome, Tara. How are you doing today? Yeah, good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. No worries. Absolute pleasure. Did I get that pronunciation right with Koopu Koopu? <laughs> yeah, it's correct. <laughs> Lovely. Well, one of my first questions, actually, is, is what does that mean? Um, so Koopu Koopu is actually butterfly in Indonesia. So yeah. it represents, like, I guess your journey. So journey into a better life. Um, the journey from the cocoon, I guess, to the butterfly. When I was little um, and I went to Bali in Indonesia, my family and I, we volunteered um, for a orphanage in over in Indonesia. It was a big okay. part of my sort of upgrowing yeah. um, or growing up, should I say. Um, so it sort of inspired me. And I think it's a huge sort of representation of recovery and, and me and mental health journey. I just really loved it. Um, so that's kind of where that came from. Yeah, awesome. Well, I guess being in um, or Perth or, you know, around that area in WA, you're quite close to Indonesia. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a huge Australian thing. We love Bali. So Definitely. Um, absolutely. And I think it's really cool as well to have that sort of touch. It's also a big icebreaker and an educational thing. Like you can be like, yeah, this is where it's come from. And it's a big part of me as well. It's nice to be able to incorporate that. Yep. Well, I know just personally, my first overseas trip was to Indonesia, to Bali specifically. Cool. And even just you know, opening your eyes to uh, how different people live in different countries and, um, 
it, I think it really does, yeah, just give people a bit more of perspective around life. And I think for you, volunteering, I can only imagine that would have yeah, been very powerful. Yeah, I think it's definitely a big eye-opener and you you get a kind of a diverse perspective on, on yeah, how other people live and, yeah, it definitely inspires you just to kind of have that perspective and come back and, and do some more work in the community back here. Yeah. Yeah. So what age do you reckon you would have been when you were doing that? Um. Well, my family went to Bali lots when I was younger, so probably the first time I went there I could have been maybe four or five and that was just literally playing with the kids and you know like drumming and we were taking bubbles and bouncy balls up there and I think that was a big thing for me as well like you know um little bouncy balls we took up there and kids were like bouncing and it was the best thing ever um so even seeing that as a kid was really awesome like I think um a big perspective of growing up was being like wow this bouncy ball that we just get the shop for like 50 cents or whatever is like the most amazing thing for a kid over there yeah um so that was really awesome and then yeah probably went um probably six or seven times after that growing up and then kind of did more things as a family we um I think helped build like bathrooms and stuff over there as well so um in the community so it kind of became more I guess as I grew older more um bigger things yeah yeah that's really cool that's uh yeah kudos to your family for for doing that and building that in as part of your, you know, family trips. That's really amazing. Thank you. Um, so, you know, you've got a pretty cool story and doing so much already at only, you know, 22. Um, when's your 23rd birthday? Um, so I actually turned 23 last month. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, I didn't, like, change my thing, so my bad. <laughs> Yeah, just one behind. We'll just um so yeah, just turned 23 um last month. Just you know, how did you get so you know you're you're working um as a a youth in youth counseling and suicide prevention and you know rehabilitation and mental health. How did you get started, you know, working in those fields? Yeah, so um I've got my own like lived experience, my own journey of mental health, but I think also as growing up, like my mum kind of always joked that I just always had that personality sort of embedded into me like in school supposedly I was always that kid when I saw another kid uh, I was like yeah they come sit with us my best friend of probably now eight or nine years still remembers the day um but I actually came up to her and apparently I said you look like you have no friends do you want to oh. come sit with me and I was like oh my <laughs> gosh that's so horrible but like you know obviously it worked because she's my best friend now but obviously I meant it from a genuine purpose yeah um, you know, I always wanted to have that sort of, look, sorry, Loki is moving my camera. <laughs> um, it's actually um, kind of funny, but, isn't it, what what you say at that age? I know, <laughs> I yeah. really realise. I realise now kids have no filters and obviously I didn't have a filter then. Um, but, you know, I think it came from a genuine spot and I think, yeah, I just never wanted people to feel um, alone or feel um, like they didn't have anyone so yeah. I think yeah I always had that sort of embedded in me but then when I went through my own journey and saw other people going through their journeys I think I just really wanted to make a change and make a difference so I actually wanted to be a vet when I first um, was very little okay. um, but then when I realized like you know you have to do with sick animals and stuff I couldn't do that so I was like well why not people and also animals so kind of combine those two yeah yeah for sure that is um that is very cool merging together of uh, interests and, and passions to uh yeah to, to do something with your life um so what you know what do you think led you to want to be involved with animals and work with animals 
I think um, I always noticed from a very young age just how impactful animals are. Like even, you know, I don't think you have to have a mental health journey or mental illness to realise how amazing animals are. Like even if you've just got a stomachache or a headache, anyone that's got animals realises how much the animals recognise that. Like I remember one time I think I had my tonsils out or my appendix or something like that and the dog just came up and was like, sucking and was like oh like giving me cuddles and and pats I just know when you're not feeling that great and I was like this is better than like any sort of therapy or anything (laughs) like they just know um and I think even when you know you're just out in public and you see a dog or I remember seeing like you know in schools if there was ever a dog around like someone bought a dog to pick up their kid or whatever you just see the smiles on people's faces yeah and it was just such a um easy thing to make someone smile and I think that was so important for me to recognize that it was just such an easy way of making someone happy um and I mean there's literally scientific research behind it as well that you know even just patting an animal can reduce cortisol which is your stress hormone and it can release oxytocin which is your like love hormone so there's science behind it as well as just you know seeing someone smile yep no it's so true and for myself um I've got a dog named Ari and uh yeah if you're just a bit frustrated or a bit stressed out and you know he he comes up and he's got poor eyesight which uh means he he loves to come up and use his nose and have a little sniff to see who's there. And so you get a little cold nose on your hand or something, but you can't be, uh, you know, annoyed. You stop and give him a pat and you, you do feel a bit better. Yeah, that's it. Um, so, you know, I understand uh, I read something and you can tell me if this is uh, accurate or not. I read something that um, at one point you kind of had this idea and like, oh, I can invent animal and mental health like working together and combine those two but then you found out that it was a kind of already a thing. Yeah. So I remember when I was kind of thinking about it and I saw the impact the animals had and I was like, amazing. Like I'm going to invent this. I'm going to invent animal assisted therapy thinking I was going to be like the next big inventor. And then I kind of Googled it and I was like, oh, it's already a thing. I'm not going <laughs> to be an inventor, but you know, so I was kind of obviously happy it was a thing because obviously it's amazing, but I recognized that it, it really wasn't in, um, Australia but also particularly WA Um, and I was like well that's not okay let's make that a thing so that's kind of I guess when I started my journey in um, trying to make it more prevalent in WA. For sure pretty tricky to actually invent something these days because uh, it it seems like everything exists but I agree with you 100% that just because something exists doesn't mean it's being done right or in your area or you know um, so I think it's really cool that yeah you weren't put off by that that you just thought yep this is great. I'm just going to run with it. Thank you. So what came first? Was uh, did, was Loki in your life or was Kupu Kupu already ex- existing or how did that kind of, you know, fall into place? Yeah. So um, basically I didn't have Loki at the time. So um, we started our journey of, I guess, um, looking for animals and I was really passionate about um, getting a rescue animal as well. Um, so that was, I guess, another thing around Kupu Kupu as well is making, um, like giving people a second chance, I guess, or yep. giving people a journey, but giving animals a journey as mm. well. Um, so wanting to have any of the animals, um, that I incorporated into the program be rescue animals. Um, so I started looking at rescue shelters. Um, I actually applied for like four or five dogs before I got Loki. So I was at one place and we literally were about to get the dogs. I had the full application and everything. They said, yeah, we'll just go get the dog now. Um, And then they came back and you could just see the look on that face, you know, when someone has bad news and they're like, I'm so sorry. Someone's, I don't know how this has happened, but 
someone's applied at the exact same time as you and we just haven't communicated and the dog's actually just gone home with someone else. Oh, no. Um, and so at the time I was devastated, but obviously it kind of was like it was meant to be because Loki's just been perfect and amazing yep. and, um, and great. So um, took her home, um, started training her myself in sort of basic obedience and um, working her and doing like things like my mum's a netball umpire and there's a lot of kids around, so taking her, getting her used to kids, that sort yep. of stuff. And then we uh, applied for funding. Um, so at the time I was living in the city of Melville. So we applied for funding with them and we um, got funding from the mayor basically. Okay. Um, and Pretty cool. Uh, we, yeah, that was really awesome. So we got with that, I think it was called Project Robin Hood. So you basically present a project and then um, you get funding from if your project's approved. Um, and we got ours approved. So with that and with some savings, we were able to go over to Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and complete it's a course slash accreditation so um, it's called lead the way so we were able to complete that and get accredited as a therapy team um, so we came back and we're one of the first basically therapy teams in WA um, and then yeah started up um, Cooper Cooper Australia and basically linked in um, with agencies and services and stuff that we thought needed us and then also started getting like one-on-one clients as well that's cool so, um, yeah, what was the trip like to Melbourne and back with Loki? Did you drive or fly? Yeah, so we flew. So we um, flew over to Melbourne. We stayed on like a little farm and stuff, which was um, awesome. So Loki was, I remember, obviously, Loki's, so Loki's a complete cross. Um, yep. And it was quite funny at the time. She was like running around these horses. I think she was trying to like um, <laughs> herd them or whatever you call it. And yep. um, they were just standing there like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Uh, that was quite an experience. Um, but yes, yeah, so it was a week long course. So we stayed um, up on the farm for a week. Um, and the, the days were about eight or nine hours, I think. So um, it was that anything from going into facilities or um, learning tricks and trainings and, and putting them in scenarios as well. So they had to go up to like um, farm animals, for example, and they were able to obviously be curious, but they weren't able to react in an aggressive manner. Um, or they were able, they had um, situational things. So they might have someone um, fling their arms up in the air or um, get aggressive or a situation that they might come to when they have someone who's living with a mental illness or disability. Um, but so then they can sort of be like, oh, like what's going on? But they can't react aggressively, basically to checking that they're going to be suitable for um, a therapy dog. And then at the end, um, they got accredited or they didn't basically. And Loki was lucky enough to be accredited. So, yeah. That's quite intensive, actually. Um, yeah. What 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 was um, I guess what was the two two part question? What was the hardest part of that training, and what was the uh, the highlight? Um, the highlight was definitely seeing like all the different dogs. Like I think I went in there imagining that it would be like golden retrievers and labradors and stuff because you imagine that that's sort of quite stereotypical. Um, but it was honestly a lot of like the weirdest looking dogs but the most beautiful <laughs> looking dogs ever which was amazing yeah um I think that's definitely um one thing I really liked about it was it was kind of breaking down that stereotype of um mm. typical dogs and it was just these weird weird looking dogs but beautiful dogs I mean we went into the facilities like there, I remember this one dog that was like it literally looked like a horse like it was so big and weird <laughs> looking and the look on the elderly when we went into the aged care facility it just they just started laughing as soon as the dog walked in because they were told therapy <laughs> dogs were going to come in. Yeah. And then this horse-looking dog walked in and that itself made them laugh. And I remember the aged care lady saying, I don't think I've seen this person laugh in the whole four years I've been here. Wow. So 
even within that moment before that even had any sort of interaction with the therapy dog or padding, like that it already made it um, yeah. impact. That's huge, isn't it? Yeah, and that's one thing that I've found with animal-assisted therapies. It's not even necessarily her being a therapy dog. It's really little things. Like it's her name is Loki, so sometimes it's a connection to the movie or sometimes it's silly things she did. Like one time we were at a park and she snuck off and jumped into a river and the kid thought it was hilarious and, and started laughing. And, again, apparently this kid hadn't laughed in, in two years. So sometimes it's not always, you know, Panning the dog or having clinical and therapy sessions it's actually just like humanizing and yeah. having a really silly interaction that they might not normally get to have and that i found really awesome and powerful mm. um challenge loki absolutely loves balls and fetch and she had to sit and drop for like five minutes and they while they were bouncing a ball in front of her and she wasn't allowed to react and that was very that was her most challenging thing i think she was like yeah. Oh my gosh, I want the ball. <laughs> and you can see it on her face. Um, but she managed eventually. Wow. So that was really good. Good effort. Yeah. So a very important question. Um, you know, you've named the dog Loki, or mm-hmm. was Loki already named when you, you had her? No, so Loki was actually originally named Jasmine. Um, yeah. but we've changed it, changed it to Loki. Yep. Now, so you're a big um MCU fan. Is that is that why? The the Marvel movies and all that? I, I do love Marvel, but also um I remember spending so much time trying to figure out what I wanted to, to call her. Um she is very cheeky as well, which I think fits the yep. name. Um God of Mischief. But right. um also so another thing around um pretty much obviously I want to add future animals to um Cooper Cooper Australia. Um and I wanted to have names that were like relatable and connecting to the kids or people that would be coming to the facilities. Yeah. Um, I think that, yeah, like I said, it's actually a great icebreaker um, and it's just the small things like that that can create a connection instantly as well. Like even as soon as you say Loki, people are like, oh, Loki from Thor, and straight yeah. away you've got that connection. Um, I just adopted two kittens and they're Nala and Lilo. Oh, nice. um, and again, straight away, it's Nala from Lion King and Lilo, Lilo and Stitch, and people yep. have that connection straight away. And you've got something to talk about, even if it's not straight away therapeutic, clinical, or anything like that. It's a connection, and you've got that human connection, even if it's not therapeutic. Yeah, yeah. So the name doesn't have to be Marvel, but it does have to be Disney within the Disney. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. So yeah, so if you've um, adopted those cats, are they just you know for your are they pets, or are they going to be maybe? therapy animals as well or yeah so basically my ultimate dream is to have a therapy ranch um and have so purchase a property and um have people come there for respite and facilities there'll be like community garden and programs there so any animal that I'm currently um adopting uh, I just bought my first house and I say that the pros and cons of that is that I can adopt an animal whenever I want and no one can stop me. And the con yep. is that I can adopt an animal and no one can stop me. So <laughs> within two yep. weeks, I adopted two animals. <laughs> so, um, But, yeah, so basically right now they're just little kittens running around the house, but definitely they um, we're doing the whole sort of, I don't know how much they love it, but snuggling them, you know, as much as we possibly can so that they get used to it as kittens. Yep. So that, um, you know, that then when they come onto the therapy ranch, that they'll be considered therapy cats. Yep. And how has Loki reacted to these two new creatures? Surprisingly well. So um, she is quite weird around cats. Like you, she's like, oh, what is this? And she steps back and I'm like, I'm not really sure you realise you're much bigger than them and, and they, you know, <laughs> you're scarier, but... Um, you know, I think we all know that cats rule the world as far as cats are concerned. Yeah. Um, but now she loves them and they they cuddle and they um 
yeah, they love each other. Like I'll come home from work if I don't have Loki with me and they're in the same bed and they're snuggling and purring and it's very, very cute. So, That's um, yeah, it's beautiful. You know, you can tell that you're really passionate about animals and, and helping people. Can you tell us about some of the stories of people who, you know, you've met um, along your journey, you and Loki, and, you know, how you've had an impact with them? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we've just been really lucky that we've um, been able to meet some incredible people that have had a huge impact. And I remember um, one girl that we've worked with, she had said that, um, you know, Loki had literally saved her life. And I was like, you know, what do you sort of mean by that? And um, this was when we were working um, within the hostel and she said that, you know, at times she just wouldn't be able to handle um, her voices and also um, her overwhelming thoughts. And basically she um, one night was struggling a lot and she was feeling like she just couldn't live anymore and she didn't want to live anymore. And one of the workers has said that, um, look, just to keep you excited, um, like Loki is coming in tonight not at all knowing that this was the way this person was feeling, just letting her know that's what the program was for. And she was like, all right, well, you know, I'll see Loki and then I'll, you know, continue with what I'm going to do. And then she saw um, Loki, spent some time with Loki, and she said, I literally just felt so like it was medicine and I felt so good that in that moment I just felt all right. And then she ended up disclosing to staff how she was feeling and going into hospital um, and getting the help that she needed. And then we ended up like finding out and going and visiting her in hospital as well and being along, up alongside her journey of recovery as well, which was absolutely amazing. You know, whatever it was that a connection that her and Loki had was just being able to bring that forward and bring her out of that sort of deep yeah. darkness. Um, obviously, it didn't take it away completely, but it was able to get her the help that she needed, which was really incredible. Yeah, that is incredible. And that is truly life-saving because... It all it takes is one moment to uh, yeah, and that's make it. And she, difference. you know, has said multiple times that she feels like it's it's like medicine when she spends time with it, and that that is truly impactful and powerful, which is just amazing. Yeah, um, and you know, we've we've visited people who, um, you know, have not felt that they could leave their house um, because of the anxiousness that they're feeling. Um, so we visited a lady who hadn't left their house in two years. And we did small steps, so we basically would go out the back and we'd just walk around the garden with her um, and take Loki around the garden and then we'd take her to the mailbox and, and really small steps. And by the third, at the third session with her, um, we actually went to the shops with her um, and it was just amazing because, yeah, like I said, she hadn't left her house in, in two years and, and it wasn't yeah. really anything to do with me. It was all the dog because she just loved the dog so much and we were able to do small things as well. Like I think it's really interesting because people often ask, like, what's animal therapy? Like, what do you actually do? Like, is it just sitting there and having a chat with them while the dog's there? And sometimes it is. And sometimes, like, when we go to aged care facilities, it's them just patting the dog and that makes them feel great. And sometimes it's a distraction as well. Like, for this lady, she wanted the dog, like, the dog made her feel comfortable to go to the shops. Yeah. Um, and then we had a similar situation where a young boy, he was living with autism, um, he wanted to move out, but he didn't sort of have the foundation skills to move out. He didn't know how to cook, didn't know how to clean, that sort of thing. And he didn't want to learn either. He was like, nah, like, it'll be fine. Well, I'll be right. Um, and so we would try to kind of incorporate Loki into it because he loved Loki. So we were like, okay, well, um, like Loki really needs some like meat and veggies um, for dinner tonight. So how about we cook her some? And then he was like, yeah, like I love Loki, like let's do it. 
So we were learning to cook meat and veggies technically because it's the same as cooking humans. We were just doing it for Loki. Yeah. And I was like, well, technically we need some dinner soup too. So like, should we make us some dinner as well while we're doing it? So, oh, fine. All right. So he was <laughs> learning to cook while he didn't actually realise he was yeah. learning to cook. And then I was like, oh, should we make her some dog biscuits? So we made like peanut butter dog biscuits. And I was like, oh, I could go some chocolate chip cookies. Should we make us some or we make her some? So kind of like utilizing her as like a distraction as well so there's heaps of different ways we've incorporated her into like daily life skills or or goal-orientated practice as well so it's like there's so many different ways we've done it as well it's not always like just basic therapy so it's super interesting yeah so can I ask um you know you you kind of sparked this question when you're saying people often ask you how it works because that that I did want to know that as well Mm -hmm. with um your clients is it through you know, people find you through Kupu Kupu or is it through um, your, you know, your other roles with um, youth counselling and things like that as well? Yeah, honestly, it's a complete variety. So I'm really lucky with my workplaces that I get to incorporate um, some of the work that I do with Loki into them. Um, I work super support, like supportive and they're very, I guess, holistic focused. So they're super keen to like get Loki on, on board with the work that they do as well. Yeah, And then I also work um, with my um, Kupu Kupu as well. So some of my work is through um Cooper Cooper and I get contacted through that and then I also will take Loki to my part-time works as well yeah. um so a bit of both and then I've also like previously worked for places like Healthcare Australia as well where they've like been like my client will, would be really good and then they've like asked me to go see their client so that makes sense yeah sure yeah yep. no that's really interesting um and you know you mentioned earlier that you've had your own journey with uh, mental health and, and kind of that experience uh as you've kind of grown up, um, has that, do you think that's helped you as well? Not only working with Loki, but just relating to people and being able to, to help them. Yeah, definitely. I think as well, when you've been sort of through things yourself as well, you can connect to people on a different level as well. Like I think it's one thing to be able to study it as well, which is so helpful, but I think when you can connect with people on like an emotional level as well, and, and everyone's journey is different. Like I think even if you have the same mental illness or, or whatever is someone your, your journey is completely different what one person's depression looks like is completely different to another person's depression but I think when you have that raw and emotional experience and you'd be able to actually be like look I, I don't get it but I do get it yeah that's so powerful um and I think when we start being you know less robotic and more human and I think even taking away that from the mental illness but we're just being like yeah that's shit and I get it like I've I've been there I haven't been in your situation but I've been to the point where I, I just I'm struggling and that sucks. So I think that's so important because I think, um, you know, sometimes we do as a society, we do contribute to that toxic positivity. We do like when someone's telling us that where they're struggling or they're not feeling like they want to get out of bed or whatever, we do that thing. We're like, oh, but you've got so much to live for. And and sometimes we just need to sit with them in that sadness and be like, you know what, that's shit. And I'm, I'm really sorry. And just allow them to feel that way. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, sometimes life is crap and we just yeah. need to allow people to acknowledge that. Um, and so I think it's a really powerful thing to, like, know what it's like to be in that situation and be able to kind of, I guess, facilitate that conversation. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, we as a, as a society, we definitely shut down mental health conversation. So being able to sit there in comfort and talk about it is so important and I think we need yeah. more. I think that's brilliant advice because I think sometimes, and again, it's my own personal opinion, we jump to trying to provide advice or suggestions or things or trying to solve the problem. To me, sometimes it can't be solved or at least not right there and then. Yeah. 
and I think what and you I said think there is sometimes and of course like of course you want to help and you want to encourage and, and that could come eventually but sometimes it's just they just want someone to listen yeah. and they just want someone to acknowledge because I think that that you know sometimes we're aware that it will get better you know there's that cheesy quote and I am all for cheesy quotes my favorite thing that you know there's a rainbow at every at the end of every storm and I do truly believe that but sometimes you know it's just nice for someone to acknowledge that what you're feeling is shit because sometimes yeah. you feel like and I think a big problem in society is especially when it comes to accessing services is people don't feel like they're unwell enough or sick enough to access service like if you've got a headache or if you've got a migraine or if you whatever a lot of people will go to the doctors but not when it comes to mental health services they're like oh well I'm not I'm not unwell enough to um, you know go see a psych or a counsellor and people don't recognize that you don't actually have to have a full diagnosed mental illness to go see a counsellor you can just go there for a chat and by you know always shutting down conversations and always being like yeah but it's okay like it'll get better we stop people from going and having those conversations so yeah. I think it's really important that we just open up more to people just being like yeah like I'm feeling shit right now like we've got are you okay day next Thursday and I think it's so important that we actually start recognizing what to say if someone's not okay like mm. um you know I think especially as Australians like hey go in and we don't actually ever expect someone to respond after that <laughs> so, <laughs> so true <laughs> you know maybe it's important that we actually start you know being yeah. genuine when we ask someone how they're going to respond or you know know what to say after they do respond yes good point well you know um on that note I'm wondering if uh if you can give me a little bit of advice or uh you know, point me in the right direction. If I was, uh, you know, are you okay? There's a brilliant initiative. What's a way that you reckon, uh, you know, I'm asking this from my perspective as a male, like males reaching out to their other male friends to say, you know, are you okay? Um, obviously, are you okay? There's a really good excuse to do so. But yeah. just in day-to-day life, do you uh, have any suggestions on how it might be, you know, a good kind of way to reach out and ask people that question? Because I feel like sometimes, I know for me personally, I'm a little bit hesitant just to yeah. reach out. I haven't talked to them in a couple of weeks and just say, hey, are you okay? Like it seems like a weird thing to ask. Yeah, yeah. I think it is definitely hard. And I, I think like sometimes it's not even saying, are you okay? Like I think it's recognising like why you think they're not okay as well. Like maybe you've been like, hey, like I noticed like you haven't um, been as talkative like as much. Like is there anything you want to talk about or or that sort of thing? But I think as well sometimes it's important to recognise like you might not be the right person as well like I know when I was mm. struggling like everyone was like you know talk to your parents or talk to your teacher especially when you're younger that's something that people really emphasize yeah. like talk to your parents and like not everyone has a relationship with their parents they can talk to or talk to your teacher but not everyone might be able to talk to their teacher so I think it's really important that we like uh, I guess raise awareness that there's so many people you can talk to it's your teacher or your parents or your friends or your family or like a counselor or a GP or uh, you know services that we can call up so sometimes I think it's even like I even I guess steering away and being like oh like I heard about this really like good service you know if I if I'm struggling I'm going to make sure that I use that or whatever kind of like making it not about them that's yeah that's a good idea well. good suggestion good idea yeah yeah I like that a lot so you know speaking of your experience was there someone or something that was able to to help you or that you found really supportive yeah so I think definitely um for me like again it was I think there's a lot of stigma when you're younger as well. I think people look at you and they're like, oh, you're just young. Like, what could you possibly have to be upset about? So I think that's something that we definitely need to break down. Definitely the dog. My dog's helped. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think um, especially in, like, school, it was just, like, talking to a, uh, you know, school counsellor and that sort of thing. Yeah. 
Um, but I think for young people or for anyone in general, it's um, like accessing um, like your GP, you can access like a mental health plan and get like 10, to free, 10 free or 20 free sessions of um, mental health service. And like when I found that out, that is so important because I think I'm like, oh, like, you know, you hear so much about how expensive psychologists are and stuff. And I'm like, I'm not going to be able to afford that or yes, um, or whatever. And then, yeah, I had someone point me in that direction. And I think what's really important to remember as well is it's not, again, it's not that you have necessarily severe mental illness that you need to um, access those. It isn't like if you've just got small struggles or whatever you want to consider it as, you can access those. Because yeah. um, I think as well, um, the way that we start reducing statistics and the way that we start having these conversations is before it gets serious, like start having that conversation. So then you reduce that, if it makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, um, by opening up before it gets serious, that's when we start reducing those statistics. Yep. So, no, it, uh, it sounds so easy when you put it like that, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, um, it is easier than done, but it's, um, it's definitely important because I think, you know, um, we do, at my work, we do this um, presentation about like the mental health continuum and, um, you know, there's, the end of the spectrum and the start is the, the, the green and the red. And the red is when you're you basically haven't spoken about it and you've got into, into severe mental illness. And they talk about sometimes if you just need fuel in your body to, to get back to the green. And yeah. I think that like, you know, when you start getting down, it is because you haven't had those chats and you haven't opened up and you haven't gotten the help that you need. So um, yeah, sometimes again, easier said than done. I totally get it. There's so much stigma and there's so many barriers to it, but um yeah, it's definitely by creating that awareness in the community and, and reducing that, I guess, stigma about actually talking about it, we can make a big difference. Yeah. Well, I love your segue there. I think it was intentional on your behalf, but I was actually wanting to talk to you about, you know, awareness in the community and some of your work. I understand that you've um, presented at schools and uh, things like that as well, you know, with Loki and Toe, of course. Um, what's that like uh, in comparison to, you know, you're dealing with cl- um, clients or, or people one-on-one and then you go and, and you know, talk to a big group? Um, do you feel comfortable doing that? I think when I first started, I definitely was like, it was very overwhelming. Um, but I think now, um, I just get like, I just see these young people and I just want to like grab them and be like, duh, this is like mental health and we should talk about it. Like, I, I think your passion grows the more that you see, um, how much it's not spoken about. And I think especially the more that I started talking about it, like I realised how much it was shut down. Um, like when we do a part where we talk about suicide, for example, and you literally see everyone in the room like basically step back as soon as you say the word suicide. And I'm like, this is why our statistics are so high because no one wants to talk about it. Mm. And I get it. Like it's it's horrible and it's harsh. But, you know, we have, um, you know, like, there's a statistic that's like one young person dies by suicide every week in WA and 3,318 people, I think, died in 2019. And it's like these statistics are so high because no one wants to talk about it and no yeah. one knows how to get help. And these um, young people, they don't know how to get help. They don't know when their friends say, I want to take my life, or whatever. They don't know how, how to handle it. And it's because they don't know how to handle it that we haven't given them the resources. So um, I think that drives my passion to talk about it. Um, because I think at the end of the day, if me or other presenters aren't going to do it, then who is? So, yeah. yeah. Do you think, you know, from just from what you've personally seen that um, things are changing in a positive way in terms of school age kids talking about it a bit more from what you've seen when you've done presentations and things like that? I definitely think it's getting better. And I think like going out and doing presentations are really great because I think that you 
you know, even if you touch one person or two people or three people, then they might go and tell one person and, and then it's kind of like a, a, a domino effect, you know, like yep. you tell one person, they tell another, they tell another, they tell another. And that's where we start conversation, we start education. Um, but it definitely needs to become, um, I guess, better and more aware. Like, you know, maybe there's only two of us doing it right now, but there should be like 200, like because <laughs> we could make such a difference if, if more of us spoke about it. Um, and it just, yeah, I guess more unashamed conversation is really important because especially with our young people, um, you know, their brains aren't fully developed and they don't know how to regulate their emotions completely and stuff. So we have to give them that hope and we have to speak to them about it. Um, and, yeah, I think as well, especially when they're going through that sort of debt teen angst and that um, stuff, it's like, well, is this normal or is this mental illness? I don't know. And so yeah. it's like teaching them how to decipher between those two. So. With, uh, you know, your day-to-day work, the presentations you're doing, and somehow you also find time to not only obviously care for all your animals, you've bought a house and you do volunteering and you've recently completed a uh, leadership course. Do you have any uh, any time just for you in your life? <laughs> yeah, I definitely um, didn't used to be good at that, <laughs> but I um, definitely try and make, like, I always make sure that I make time for myself now. I think that's something that I'm, really big on um I learned um a while ago that it's easy to burn out when you don't make time for yourself so I just make sure that I you know um do something easy for myself like easy to self-care for myself and I think that's another big thing I learned as well I remember when I first heard self-care and I thought it was like I thought of those memes that you or not memes but like pictures you see of like people just like meditating and like literally like (laughs) yoga kind of positions and stuff, which is amazing. I'm not taking away from that or trying to be offensive to that at all. Um, But it doesn't work for everyone. And I was like, that doesn't work for me. And and I'm just not going to self-care. Like I'm just going to keep, keep doing what I'm doing. Um, But now I recognize, you know, self-care is literally like the other day I I remember I came home and I was like, I really want cookies. So I baked cookies and I felt so good after I did that. Or like you take a warm shower or you, um, you know, take your dog for a walk or you call a friend or call someone you haven't spoken to in a while or, you know, put some nice body cream on. Like it can be just something small that like um, just makes you feel better. And I think that's really important as well is that it just, yeah, something small that you're like, okay, even telling yourself at the end, like I've got a big day, but like what's something small that I'm going to do at the end of the day just to make myself present and make myself be able to go sleep at night. So that's what I do. No, that's awesome. Um, I know what you mean about thinking like, what is self-care? Because when my my wife was pregnant, I had a very gender stereotypical view of what self-care was. And I kept, she kept saying to me like, why are you telling me to have a bath? Like, I just kept suggesting, oh, have a bath, you know, it's all right. Yeah. And she's like, I was like, oh, well, you know, self-care, you need to have some self-care. And she's like, yeah, but I don't have to have a bath. I can do other things. I was like, oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, that's it, yeah. So that's, uh, that's funny. But um, I wanted to ask you as well uh, about, you know, being named a finalist in the Seven Years Young Achiever Awards for WA. So you were a finalist in um, 2020, last year, and also this year in the first National Real Estate Leadership Award, which obviously what we're hearing about is very, very fitting. Um, you know, so what was it like to, uh, you know, going back to last year when you were first kind of announced as a, a finalist in the awards? Yeah, what was that kind of feeling like? Yeah, it was um, it was definitely a huge um, honour, but it's also like always very overwhelming and very, it's very exciting. But I think yep. I always like, even um, I remember when yourself like contact me and getting um, award nominations and stuff, like it's always quite an interesting experience. Like it's very exciting and very overwhelming, but I'm always like, oh, like the people that I work with, like they should be getting like the awards and stuff. Like you always come to this kind of like, 
I think um, self-realization that um, you almost struggle to see like why you're getting low, like nominated for these awards and stuff, which I yep. think is a really interesting experience because you put all this like um, compliments and passion into your friends and your family and stuff, but it's hard to recognize the work that you're doing. Um, but I think definitely, um, yeah, it's an honor and it's amazing. But I think that I just look back on it. And I'm like, because people are like, what inspired you to do it and stuff? And I'm like, well, the people that I, I work with, like, honestly, like that's inspires me to um, to do what I'm doing. Um, but I think it just makes me very grateful to to have the people in my life that um, like make me get to where I am. Like I literally, yeah. I have times where I'm just like, oh, you know what? This is just like, I don't know if this is working or if this is going to happen. And then you have those people who are like, you know what? Like, shut up and you're going to do amazing. Like and they just <laughs> they don't let you, um, I guess, you know, go into bed and, <laughs> and crawl. Like, okay, you can you can cry for a little bit and then you're going to get up and you're going to shoot for the stars and you're going to achieve what you want to achieve. Yeah. So I guess you kind of go through all these different like emotions. You're like, I'm really overwhelmed and I'm really excited. And you're like, I don't deserve this award. And then you're like, oh, <laughs> this is great. I'm so yeah. happy. Like, but it's a really amazing experience. And you go as well when you go to the awards. You're sitting in this room and you just feel so grateful but also so I guess inspired because the people who are um, up for the awards as well are just incredible yeah well it's a it's a good point you made because um about sometimes even when you're in when you're in it day to day when you're living it it's hard to kind of take that step back and look from someone else's perspective on the impact that you're having and the positive messages yet you're you know sending out to the community and so yeah it can be easy to, to exactly what you said oh I don't deserve this or whatever you know everyone around you Obviously, it was, uh, was telling you the opposite, so that's good. Thank you. So I did want to ask this question, and, you know, let me know if it's uh, a bit awkward, but obviously you were a finalist two years in a row and not named a winner. Mm-hmm. And so what I want to know is uh, was that still a positive experience for you or did you, you know, leave feeling a bit disappointed? No, I absolutely didn't feel um, being disappointed. Honestly, I when I look at the people who were up for nominations or up for finalists or winners, I think you not compare yourself, but you're like, I am honestly honored just to be here and be in the room with all these people who are um, yeah, nominated and who are finalists. Like I think um, for me, like it was just, I literally left feeling like so energized for the, from the community. Like I remember there was um, a few different stories who really like touched me and I was like I literally I, I think I wouldn't want to win next to those people <laughs> I actually like what like you know like you, there's actually people you yeah I don't know like to me it's not like a sports kind of where I'm like I want to beat you <laughs> like yeah. to me like I'm actually honored that other people um I took that position like no like, you honestly deserve that so um yeah for me it's just it's an honor to be there it honestly is um but to me it's not about like winning it's about being in there and people being recognized for what they're doing um so yeah it's uh, yeah it's great to be there but I don't feel like I um have any particular loss or win if I get the award or don't get the award yeah what's well, um it's a really nice observation it's something that I have noticed at around the the country the different awards events that um lucky enough to attend to attend this year I got to travel into state and attend events which seems bizarre now being in Melbourne but um at that time yeah it is actually you know pleasantly surprising in some ways to see the finalists who perhaps before that night didn't know each other, hadn't met, and just like really applauding the other person when, you know, their fellow finalist was announced the winner, you know, congratulating them and just so happy for them. And it's, um, you know, in a world where a lot of people are trying to get ahead and it's nice to see that, I think. I think, yeah, and I think as well, a lot of the work that the people who are there are doing, they're doing it because they love what they do and they want to make a difference. 
And I think when you see other people's passion, you see that they're doing it and you're like, oh my gosh, like you are doing amazing work. Like you're just happy and you're proud and you almost feel like a proud mum or a proud sister when you watch them and hear what they're doing. Um, like you just genuinely feel wholesome and, and warm when you hear people's stories. Um, like I remember I was like sitting there and like listening to some people's stories or speeches and I was like crying and I'm like, well, I didn't even know this person, but this is so <laughs> beautiful and amazing. Yeah. I genuinely think it's a beautiful space to be in and I don't think that, um, well, not for myself anyway, there's any sort of competitiveness when it comes to it. It's just a space to recognise that the work the community is doing. And I think as well, especially um, at certain times, the world can be such a dark place and to be able to be a light in that world is a really amazing honour. And I think in that room there's so many lights and, and it's just about recognising that. It's not about winning as such. And, of course, it's an awards ceremony and it's going to be a winner, but it, to me it's, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that was a beautiful way to put it. There was a, there's so many lights in that room. That was really nice. Thank you. Um, so, you know, having been a finalist now um, and being through the process and uh, being part of it, um, would you recommend to other people that they, you know, if they know someone who's doing great things, that they nominate that young person? Yeah, definitely. I think it's really important that people recognise the work that other people are doing. Um, I think, you know, if people are ever, um, yeah, just that we recognise the good work that people are doing. Like I say, like it's, the world can be crappy sometimes and just recognise a light star in the world, the differences that people are making. Um, there's so much negativity in the world. Why not recognise all the positives in the world? I think on the news we see so much negative stuff. Why don't we start talking about the positive stuff and, and making awareness for all the positives that are out there? And I think that's why these awards are so important because you're sitting there and you're hearing all these amazing stories and I'm like, why have I not heard about this person before? Because you are incredible. Like I hear about this person who's done this horrible thing and I'm like I don't want to hear about you but I want to hear about this amazing person this young person like send them out on the news because you're incredible and you deserve to be spoken about yeah so definitely that's one of our aims is just to you know as, as you said there's a lot of negativity in the in the news and the media and uh our aim is to try and flip that script and just push out as many positive stories as we can and so we're very grateful to seven news to uh come on board and help us do that and um, you know, in your category, the first National Real Estate Leadership Award, we're lucky that they're a national um, sponsor partner of ours. And so we do have the Leadership Award available in every state and territory of Australia. So for anyone listening, if you know a great leader, you can nominate them uh, no matter what state you're in or territory for that matter. So Tara, hopefully a lot of people are hearing this and thinking, I want to know more about animal-assisted therapy because it's such an interesting topic and it just sounds great. Uh, where can people get in contact with you and and Koopa Koopa? Yeah, so we have um, a Facebook page, so Koopa Koopa Australia. We also have an Instagram page um, and it, the email and stuff is on there as well, I believe. Um, and Loki also has an Instagram, which I believe is also linked onto the um, Facebook page. So. Oh, okay. I didn't realise Loki had his um, her own, so I'll have to check that out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah so for those wondering, Koopa Koopa is K-U-P-U, and that's twice Koopa Koopa. So you can easily find it um, online. And, uh, you know, I, I heard Loki kind of making a few noises throughout. Um, is she still there? Yeah, she's still here. She's a bit of a um, attention seeker. <laughs> I did spot her ears every now and then just poking up there. Yeah, she was wanting pads. <laughs> so, yeah, she's still here. Yeah, no, that's great. And so sometimes I just like this question, but um, you're, you're so young that I want to ask it anyway. But I was going to ask you what's next for you, you know, and I, the reason I say I just like it sometimes is because you're already you know, doing great things and there's no, there should never be an expectation that you have to do more. Mm. But I know, you know, for a fact that you you said before you wanted to, uh, your goal is to have a ranch 
and things like that. So I do want to ask the question, what's kind of next for you and Loki? Yeah, so for us, we're um, hoping to basically purchase a property and create a um, therapy ranch. Um, But we're also just currently trying to, I guess, create connections for when we do develop a ranch. So we want to have sort of a community garden and yoga classes, music therapy classes, all that sort of stuff. Um, We're also trying to have conversations with, I guess, the councils and community in general about raising awareness for animal assisted therapy. So there's not as many, I guess, therapy dog access um, as much as we would like. Um, So basically trying to fight that when it comes up for review so that is our um, current case of course um and then yeah I guess just keep doing what we're doing um we're currently sitting on a few um like lived there she goes again (laughs) um living sitting on a few um lived experience sort of advisory um committees with the mental health commission which we found like really interesting to actively make change in a few different services um so just do a few more of those and just yeah hopefully get our ranch and, um, yeah, make some more change and, and access a few more services as well. Yep. Beautiful. Well, thanks for taking uh, time out of your busy schedule to chat to us. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic talking to you and uh, wish you and Loki all the best on the rest of your journey. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that interview. If you liked it or any of our other episodes, it would be great if you can rate and review the Inspirational Australians podcast. It really helps us out. If someone you know needs a little dose of inspiration, why not let them know about this podcast? And if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed so that you won't miss an episode. Join us each week as we talk with ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. You can always head to our website at awardsaustralia.com slash podcast for more information and details on each guest. Now, before we go, I'd like to thank Annette, our producer. Here's a fun fact. Annette is my mum. And our other host, Jeff, is my dad. This podcast is brought to you by Awards Australia, a family-owned business that proudly uncovers the stories of people who make a difference for others. We can only do this with the support of our corporate and not-for-profit partners as they make our awards programs possible. So do you know someone making a difference? If you'd like to recommend someone to be a guest on the podcast, get in touch through our Instagram page, inspirational.australians. Or maybe your business might like to sponsor the podcast or get involved with the awards we run. Head to our website, awardsaustralia.com for more details. Until next week, stay safe. And remember, together we make a difference. Thanks for joining us today on the Inspirational Australians podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and have been inspired by ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. So it's goodbye for another week. Remember, together we make a difference.